You're listening to the Simple Pen Podcast. Pinterest for business advice that goes down smooth and easy. Here's your host, Kate All. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the Simple Pin Podcast. I'm your host, Kate All, the owner and founder of Simple Pin Media. We are a Pinterest marketing agency. Today, we are going to be tackling the topic of GA4. And if you are the owner of a website and you have been living under a rock for the last two years, I just want to tell you that Universal Analytics, how you find the data for your website, will be going away on July 1st and will be replaced with something called GA4. Now, the internet has been buzzing about this switch for what feels like an eternity about two years. And there's a lot of ranges of emotion about it. There is feelings of doom. There is feelings of gloom to apathy to excitement. Well, actually, let me take that back. I don't know anyone who has been excited. However, I met with this amazing woman, Alison Bechdahl. We talked on Zoom a couple of weeks ago. And the feeling I got from her was like, oh, okay, I just need to see this differently. She calmed my nerves. She helped me think of it in a new way. And I was like, what a better person to bring on to the podcast than Allison to talk about these things. So she's going to talk about her services, obviously, in the podcast. So we have a link down below in the podcast app. So just click on that. I want to let you know that it is a little bit like nerdy, <laughs> if you will, but Keep listening, even if you don't understand it, kind of take it in. This is a great podcast for walking or driving. I wouldn't recommend listening to this while you're trying to work, just because there's going to be things that we talk about that you're going to want to remember when it comes to that transition. Also, I want to say if you have not connected GA4, now's your time. This is your like megaphone yelling in your ear. Please, please, please install this now. And we'll talk about that in the episode as to why that is. But first, before the episode, here's a fun fact for you. In the last quarter of 2022, Pinterest reported 450 million monthly active users. And 97% of all those user searches are unbranded. This means there are a lot of your would-be buyers shopping on the platform right now. And your product and your content are the perfect fit. But if you don't have a proven strategy to get in front of them, you are missing out on one of the biggest and most profitable opportunities out there. I may be a little biased, but I've seen a lot of analytics. But Kate, you say, I'm here listening to your podcast because I don't know how to make that happen. Help me. So I hear you. And that's why I want to invite you to chat with my team for a free no obligation discovery call to see if you're a good fit for our done for you Pinterest marketing services. We have more than nine years of management experience and a track record of working with over 700 Pinterest accounts. So our team knows all about the Pinterest business, the tactics, the practices, the strategies to grow your business using Pinterest. We use our signature Simple Pin framework to help you meet your ideal customer right when they are most inspired to take action. When we have services that literally fit every type of budget, business, and need. So visit simplepinmedia.com slash services now to set up that free call. But don't wait. Every day that goes by where you're not making Pinterest a priority is a day where your competition is. So visit simplepinmedia.com slash services and we want to get you in front of those 
450 million users right now. All righty. With that, I would like you to meet my new friend, Allison, and she's going to talk to you about GA4. Hey, Allison, welcome to the Simple Pin Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I am too, because you bring with you like a fresh wind of calm when it comes to talking about GA4. And most people are like freaking out hair on fire. So I am so excited to bring your like calmness into this whole conversation. So yeah, of course. Hey, I'm glad that I can be calmed for something. Hey, GA4 might as well be it. I know, right? And I'm, (laughs) I was like, Oh, actually, it was on the Instagram stories. I'm like, this runway has been ridiculously long, almost like too long. It would have been better if they just like one month ripped off the Band-Aid. You all figure it out. And it would have been like, OK, we'll figure it out. But maybe maybe you needed two years. I don't know. It's it's been uh, a long time coming. It really has been. Um, and the history of it, too, really speaks to why I think it's been taking so long. Um, but it's it's still not a it's, it's not great. No one feels good about it. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? So. Well, actually, let's jump on that. What is yeah. a little bit of the history behind it? Because I think that when people don't identify with something like they don't understand the story behind it, it adds to more freak out. It adds to more fear. So tell us a little bit about why Google is even doing this. Yeah, totally. So a couple different reasons. Um, First and foremost, uh, GA4 used to be called the Google Analytics web and app property. Um, So that's, uh, it really was for users that had an app as well as a website. Um, And it made sense for, hey, if I've got an app and I want to see how users are engaging with the app as well as the website that might be promoting the app or whatever it might be, it made a lot of sense. Um, However, as we know, not everybody has an app. Um, So everyone who doesn't have an app said, oh, I don't need to do that. I've already got my analytics working in universal analytics and it's great. No need to make a change. Um, So that's why nobody did it. Uh, But so then when uh, Google decided to kind of rebrand this into GA4, uh, that's essentially where we all know it and how we know it now. so that's a little bit of the background. Um, and honestly, if you're in any of the reports in GA4, clicking around and you see things that are referencing screens or referencing, um, you know, that kind of, I guess, vernacular, it's going to be because it also still does support those apps. Um, so the real reason, though, that really Google is making this transition is I want to talk a little bit about the data like collection model and how how the data model is different this time around. So within Universal Analytics, um, we used to if you're familiar with the platform, uh, the reports were kind of broken out into like three chunks, if you will. Uh, the first one was all user-based data. So like who's coming to my website? Where are they located? What's their language? What device are they on? Then uh, the second uh, kind of chunk is acquisition. So where did they come from? So where were they prior to the site? Were they on social media, organic search? Um, and that's all going to be session-based data. And then the third one is behavior. So what did the user do on the site? So that's going to be all page-based. Hey, they viewed the homepage. They landed on this page. They left to this page. Um, so again, all page-based stuff. So when you think about that, that's actually called different hits, different hit types. So we had a session-based hits. We had page-based hits. Um, and that's essentially how Google collected this data. While this was interesting, kind of helpful from the organization standpoint about how to think about the data and how like the questions that it's really answering, um, it really was hard for us to understand the actual like journey of the user. Hey, they hit this page, then they clicked on this, then they downloaded this, then they went to this page. We, we just couldn't do that because of how the data was collecting. So with GA4, 
everything has been transitioned from all of these different hit types to everything is an event-based hit. And when I say an event, um, that's essentially a term for any engagement point. So um, we can do in universal analytics, you might have had some event tracking as well, which might be video views, downloads, some of those additional kind of engagement points that analytics did not track out of the box. Now, GA4 does track those things, um, has a couple of auto events, essentially, it's going to be tracking those things for you automatically. But as I mentioned, everything is going to be tracked as an event. So we can see, hey, the user, they hit their first page, their session started, that's an event. They hit this page, that's an event. They downloaded this item, that's an event. So essentially, we're able just to track that user journey much more seamlessly because it's all tracked the same way. So that's the big deal, really, with GA4, why everybody's kind of well, why Google is really trying to push us to this just because of the actual tracking of it is just much better. It's scalable. It's a little bit just more, I guess, concise when it comes to answering questions about what users are doing on our websites. Um, so yeah, that's that's really the the the, the big updates, I would say, um, between Universal Analytics or GA3, some people call it, um, and GA4. Oh, interesting. I haven't heard GA3 yet. Well, and I loved what you said when we talked previously, which was, the numbers aren't worse. They're just different. Correct. And, and yes. it's this mind shift. So talk a little bit about for you having working in this all the time. How did you really move through this process of seeing it going from one to the other? What were some things that helped you to go like, oh, this this can be really good. You know, you talked about events, but talk us a little bit about how somebody could move through that kind of buy in process, I guess. Sure. So I, yeah, to your point about how data is different. So as I kind of mentioned this data model, how things are collecting, if you see, if you're kind of still running universal analytics and you might see, hey, my sessions for last week were a thousand. And then I go to GA4 and I see my sessions for last week were 700. I might kind of panic. And I've had a couple of clients that are kind of like, uh, what? Like, how do I know which is right? Um, And there really isn't a right or wrong because of how that data is collected differently. It's just different different data. So it is going to be, I'm sure, concerning for a handful of stakeholders and people who just don't quite understand the 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 reasoning why these numbers are different. Um, but again, because of the events, um, we also know that GA4 has different data deep duplication, if you will. Uh, essentially, we all have been there. We start on a website on our phones and we're looking at something and then we're like, oh, this is too much. I want to go look for it more on my computer on my desktop. Um, So you continue that journey essentially on a different device. Uh, GA4 actually can take that into consideration. So you might have fewer users or new users uh, because of that, because GA uh, Universal Analytics used to track, hey, these users were separate if you had a device difference, but now they're the same because of how um, GA4 can track that. So there are there's reasons behind this. So I always think about it in that sense that, hey, this isn't just done for the hell of it, if I can say that. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's really done just because of we, we want to be answering these questions. We want to be answering questions about what users are doing, what is working, what's not working. And that's where this event-based model is going to be so much more helpful. Um, and that's where kind of starting to like get used to it sooner rather than later is going to be more beneficial. Yeah. 
fully agree because it's, I think to your point of like, when you look at something that's a thousand, you feel really good. And you look at something that's 700, you don't feel good. And so you instantly think there's some, there must be something flawed with the thing that's less, right? But it might just be, what if this whole time we've just been looking at it completely different? Like you said, you've been counting somebody who looked on their desktop and then looked on their phone as two separate. And now we might see them as the same, especially those people who might be kind of power users of our site, if you will, like a revisit over and over again, because they're loyal, right? Right. And we're seeing them as two different people when actually they're just the same person. So absolutely. um, Okay, so let's like talk about this because, you know, for us, we love looking at analytics when it comes to Pinterest traffic, because Pinterest out of all the social channels is the one that does still drive traffic. So we want to look at it to see like, okay, where are people going from Pinterest? What are they engaging with? Does that change for us too? like where we go to find it or how we look at it? Will we see um, anything better, anything worse? Can you talk a little bit about like what that change will be? Sure. Um, So yeah, we still want to be utilizing UTM parameters whenever we can. Um, So UTMs are still going to be helpful, um, identifying the source, medium, campaign, uh, term, all of those different kinds of uh, points. Uh, That is going to still be very relevant and still be encouraged. Uh, One thing that you might see, and Google, um, I should say, GA4 is still still ever changing. Um, as much as uh, we have kind of talked about how like, yeah, this things are going to be okay. It's all going to be fine. There is still stuff that's in the works. Um, and they, Google's coming out with updates like weekly about at this point. Um, so you can keep an eye on that. But the reason I bring this up is that you might be looking at one of your reports. Um, there's two acquisition reports out of the box in GA4. One's a traffic and one's a user acquisition. Um, kind of confusing. Uh, essentially, what that means is that the user acquisition report is going to be specific to the first time the user came to the site. So, hey, how did they first find us? And then the traffic acquisition report is going to be specific to any other time, any other time the user came to the site. So part of this is going to be, we might be familiar with default channel groups or these channels that Google had to had kind of established. So that might be organic, direct, uh, paid ads, um, that kind of those different channels. Uh, GA4 had one that was called unassigned, which was very unhelpful. Uh, essentially, it was we used to have that other channel group, and we could make some modifications in Universal and be able to see that. Um, that is essentially what unassigned was in this case. So they have updated um, now. You can go in and actually create your own custom channels, saying, "Hey, if they came from Pinterest, we want them to be called Pinterest users or something along those lines." You can go ahead and do so, um, but don't let that you know freak you out in a sense that hey, all of these users are coming through as unassigned. You can still look at source and medium reports and still see where people are coming from as long as we continue to use UTM parameters. Mm, Okay, so there's going to be some switching. I know with UTMs, um, we've used them before in the past for our clients to really get data on the images. Like, because that's the thing that resonates most with pinners is they look at an image and then they choose to click on it. And so we've used it. Um, What I'm wondering too is like, so are you saying kind of a UTM for every single pin we put out there, or it's just like that first one that hits the platform. And then the other ones we don't necessarily have to track if they're duplicate. I would absolutely recommend it on everything. Um, I think that 
personally, as a, as a tracker and as a data person, the more you can have on there, the better. Um, any type of inbound traffic um, is what I would recommend putting in UTM on. So whether that be a pin, whether that be an email, you know, something along those lines too, if you have any emails that are also going out, make sure you're utilizing those UTM parameters just because we're going to be able to understand that user, you know, I guess... I guess their behavior a lot better once we have that data in play. And then we don't leave it up to Google to kind of like guess where the user came from. Um, it'll otherwise just be recorded as referral traffic, which is fine. But if you want to, especially from a marketing standpoint, if you're trying to kind of prove, hey, yeah, people are clicking on this. People are engaging with our content. They're engaging with the pins that we're putting out there. If you have a UTM attached there, you can say straight up like, hey, yeah, I know that we had 20 users that clicked on that pin because we can see it already in analytics that way. Um, so that's what I would definitely recommend. Okay. So I know there's two things that people are thinking in their heads right now as they're listening to this. One, there's those who are like, oh my gosh, how do I fold this into my daily strategy? Don't try to figure that out yet. We'll get to that at some point. But number two, explain what UTM is for the person who's like thinking they need to Google that right now. Sure. Totally. So UTMs, um, I can't remember the the total it's name. Like it's ur- like urchin, urchin <laughs> tracking mechanism or something along those lines. And actually what urchin comes from is if we go back into Google Analytics history once again, um, Urchin was one of the first analytics products that Google purchased. Um, so that is why UTMs are supported and that's why we still kind of utilize them. So essentially what that is, is you're adding a little parameter. And I would say parameter, essentially what that is, is at the end of a URL, you're going to see a question mark and then some data, if you will. Um, so we'll have UTM source, UTM campaign, UTM medium. Essentially, we're just telling the analytics platform, hey, if somebody clicks this link, this is where they're coming from. They're coming from Pinterest and it's a social media platform and it's from our spring campaign. Um, so that essentially you're just you're just giving that information to analytics and so we can start recording that properly. Um, so yeah, there's a bunch of free tools out there. I know we kind of mentioned, we'll talk about it later, but there are UTM and URL builder tools uh, that Google provides for free. Um, I've got, I think, an article on my website about just UTMs and how they're useful. Um, so yeah, I would I would take a look at them. I think it's just going to be easier for you to understand where people came from, specifically within the new user interface of GA4. Yeah, which I think is so helpful. Like, I know this can be overwhelming for the listener and they're trying to figure this all out. But I think one of the really important things is that like we have always harped on data telling the story because we can easily go with our gut and be like, well, I feel like this is working. I don't know. And then when you look at the numbers, it's like, oh, that's not what I thought. That's not what I had envisioned in my head. And so drilling down even more specific into UTMs gets you the data that you need to make better marketing decisions instead of Ah, this feels good. Go <laughs> Absolutely. Which is easy to do when you're exhausted, right? When you're yes. overwhelmed with marketing, like marketing's hard. And yeah. you just sometimes are like, I don't know if I have the vision for it, the creativity for it. And the data will help bring those things to the surface yeah. really quickly instead of just relying on your brain. Absolutely. Um, you used this word in our conversation and I really loved it and resonated with it. And it was that word scalable, mm-hmm. that this feels, GA4 feels more scalable than mm-hmm. UA. Can you talk a little bit about why you use that word and what that means? Yeah, absolutely. So as I kind of mentioned with universal analytics, those we are kind of chunked out into those three separate you know, report types. With GA4, we don't have that limitation. So we're essentially able to make GA4 
reflect our business um, or reflect what we're, our goals are versus having to make our business fit within analytics. Um, so that's one of the big, I think, pluses of GA4 is, hey, we don't have to kind of answer the questions based on what how the platform tells us we're able to actually scale it to what we want and be able to make it grow with what we're finding and how we're able to, you know, what data we're seeing. Um, so that's really what I mean when I, when I mentioned scalable is just making sure that we're able to, over time, get better and over time understand and over time continue to update um, and learn from our analytics versus kind of getting stuck within what, you know, what we're provided. Right. Okay. You also mentioned the search bars going away. And it's going to be way more awesome. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So the search bar within uh, GA4 is significantly better than the search functionality within Universal Analytics. So GA4's search bar is, it's, I'm not going to say AI. I know that's a big you know trigger word right now, but it is a lot smarter, I guess is what I'll say, um, as far as asking questions of the search bar. So some of the instances that I have kind of explained or showed as examples to some of my clients include, you can actually type into the search bar, how many users did I have last week? And it'll provide you exactly that number. Um, so it'll just pop it up for you. You can see exactly what you're looking for. So that's one example of it. Um, another example would be, you can ask Google what your measurement ID is. So, hey, what's my measurement ID? If you need to use it for tracking, instead of trying to find it in your admin and you're like, I know it's in here somewhere, you can just use the search bar. Ask Google, hey, what, what's my measurement ID? It'll provide it for you. You can copy it right from the results. Um, so yeah, I'd recommend just taking a look, start asking some questions um, in the search bar um, and the insights are going to be provided to you. Um, I think that's something that GA4 is trying to, as much as the user interface is a little bit, not unuser friendly, but kind of, especially Plunky. compared to, yeah, compared to <laughs> universal analytics. Um, yeah. the, they're trying to at least make something a little bit easier for users who might not be power users of analytics. Mm, for sure. Okay. So there's, um, I'm just like peppering you with questions. No, that's I, all right. I love. Okay. Tag manager. So I yes. have my tag. I've had a tag Google tag manager on my account for a long time. I hear it kind of mentioned every once in a while. Are we still going to need tag manager with GA4? Those of us who have it. Yeah, that's a great question. So I am a big proponent of Google Tag Manager. Um, I think that it's a very valuable tool. It's very helpful if you don't have a developer handy to you, if you don't really want to be uh, you know, messing with the developers, just adding time and money and costs um, associated with those kinds of additional uh, services. Um, so Google Tag Manager is a great resource for a couple of reasons. So not only for, hey, yeah, I need to get my Pinterest tag installed on my site. I need to get my Facebook you know, pixel installed, but that event tracking, as I kind of mentioned earlier. So one of the built-in functionality of GTM or Google Tag Manager is this event tracking. So it was something that we were able to utilize within Universal Analytics. Um, as I mentioned, uh, the behavior reports in Universal Analytics were all page-based. There also was an event report that's a kind of briefly touched on that you're able to essentially supplement the data within analytics with these events or this tracking of other items or engagement points. So knowing now that that is what we could do to help supplement within universal analytics, and now knowing that in GA4, everything is going to be event-based, this is where GTM can be really helpful. So GA4 out of the box does have some auto events that are tracked. So some of those auto events are going to be page views, scroll, nine, scrolling to 90%, file downloads, video views, if it's a YouTube-based video, for example. So these are all auto events. So Google's going to do that 
regardless for you for GA4. However, let's say that there's other stuff you want to track. Let's say you want to track when somebody clicks on a certain call to action. Someone track or you want to track when somebody clicks on a pop-up when uh, someone fills out um, your purchases something, for example. Those types of other engagement points are going to need to be tracked through event tracking. Um, And this is where Google Tag Manager can be very helpful um, and can essentially allow you to be able to do that without needing a developer to go in and and do this tagging for you. So it is a little bit more, I'll say, advanced. um, And it is kind of a whole different track, if you will, um, when it comes down to differences between GA4 Google Tag Manager. I know there's so many different platforms and I trust me, I completely understand how confusing it all is. Um, but it is it is helpful. So if you, do, if you do have it, continue to use it, continue to leverage it because there's probably a chance that you're going to want to track something else down the line and that's going to make it so much easier for you to do so, whether it's you kind of figuring it out, whether it's hiring somebody else to do it, someone like me or something, you know, along those lines might just be a lot easier to, to, um, to actually track. Um, so yeah, I would, I would definitely recommend uh, Google tag manager. If you don't have it um, kind of another way to think about it. Uh, if I take, I guess, three steps backwards is Google tag manager. I really see is kind of like this portal between your website and third parties. So think about the third parties being Facebook, being Pinterest, being Google analytics for, um, so GTM is essentially going to be able to let you insert stuff and then send that data to those other third parties. Um, so think about it in that, in that sense where it's just a tool to help facilitate data that's going between different platforms on your website. Right. And I want to say, you know, you, you said this and brought it up, like there's, there's things that you can figure out your on your own, or there's things you can have a developer do. And I just want to speak from my experience where I have been at is that like my brain doesn't always work in the tech connection pieces. And I get all freaked out that I'm going to break something. I just want to tell people who are like thinking they need to like fact find their way through this. Sometimes it's really great and money well spent for you just to hire somebody to set it up for you. And then you get to have fun interpreting the data now that you know the data is correct because the connections are correct. And I know sometimes that it's hard to spend a chunk of change on hiring a developer or... And it's it's actually not that expensive, I might add. But you just... I cannot tell you how much your time is worth to hire somebody who's quick at this. So we will link um, Allison's website in the podcast description below. So if you're in that boat and you have not switched to GA4 or you've not done Google Tag Manager, just hire her to do it because I tell you, (laughs) it will save you so much time. And I now have our developer like on retainer. And I just say like, I don't know what this means from Google. And that's a great model, right? Because you can read an email and go, it's not a big deal. I get an email from Google and I'm like, the world is ending, right? (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's helpful to have somebody in your pocket to do that. Totally. Yeah. Even just to ask questions of GA4, I um, I even have some packages that are built out. And if you mention this podcast, I can give you like a hundred bucks off or something along those lines. So yeah, just, just shoot me an email. Um, but as far as just asking and having kind of that retainer availability with GA4, because it's so different, if you have those questions, I'm definitely available um, to kind of help out with those as well. Yeah. I love that. Okay. A few last, last questions for you. Okay. Sure. Google Data Studio has been our friend for years. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yes. It's <laughs> so our our team has been freaked out. Like, are we going to be able to use it? Are we losing this super cool tool? Is there something else? Talk about that too. Sure. So Google Data Studio. Um, so 
I still call it Google Data Studio, but I should mention that Google it's has Looker. rebranded to yeah to Google Looker <laughs> yeah. Studio. Why I don't it's who, so who's dumb. to say? Yeah. Um, so what I will say is that it's a very it's been made I guess rather obvious to some of us in the space that Google's trying to start leveraging a paid version of this Data Studio Looker Studio. Um, so because of that, uh, we can tell that. Google starting to take away some capabilities that were just, you know, included for free, I guess, with with the, the product before. Um, so one of these things, unfortunately, with Google Data Studio is as we're starting to transition potentially our old reports to having to transition to um, GA4 as our data source, um, it, it can be not only confusing, because as we mentioned, the data is not one-to-one, it's not going to be exactly the, you know, the same thing as we had before, but also Google has decided to, um, and I do not support this, and I really hope that they change it soon. They've decided to put essentially limits um, to the API or call limits on how often or how many data points that it can support from GA4. Um, this is something that I, I don't recall off the top of my head all of the numbers. I think it was like 10 in, a, in an hour or something. I can I can provide the link. Uh, yeah, something very small, essentially, uh, which is, again, not helpful for a lot of these people who have built these reports, rely on these reports. And now it's, hey, are these going to be working? Um, so I really do hope that this is one of the updates that they come up with, um, hopefully in the short term, is to... Um, allow us to have more calls to be able to pull data from GA4. Um, so yeah, it, it is something that right now it's going to, you know, as soon as data stops collecting, you know, July 1, 2023, it's your reports are going to fall flat, you know? So it's, it is something that I take a look at sooner rather than later, just so you're not shocked all of a sudden, you know, come the middle of the summer and you're like, oh, great, I have nothing here. So uh, similar to pretty much everything in analytics world, nothing is retroactive. So if you implement something or tracking today, you won't have yesterday's data. So make sure that if we if you not don't have GA4 set up, go ahead and do it as soon as you can. You can still maintain universal analytics in your current um, until it stops tracking, but at least get some stuff in there so then you're not stuck with zero uh, come July. Mm, absolutely. And I think what I what we've seen with some of our clients too is maybe they've built their business. They're they're kind of new in COVID. Like we've seen new businesses pop up and they haven't known about this change. I feel like Google, they announced this like two years ago, right? It's been okay. Right. And so they maybe started their business two years ago and they got universal analytics and they've kind of been like, I've heard about this. I don't know what it is. And so I, we've heard from people who are like, ah, like, should I set it up? And we're like, yes, you got to get it set up. And they feel confused. So I think to what you said, you can't get the data before this. So do it as soon as you can before July 1 when all of this changes. Um, okay. So the other thing is, I imagine that once we have this change, there's going to be lots of companies who have fancy dashboards, things you can pay for, all of those things. What is the point where, you know, Google Looker, as I will call it, Google Looker Studio, um, they start to move towards a paid product and people are looking, are there any good options out there? Or maybe what should we be looking for or uh, be aware of if we see a lot of these pop up in people's confusion as a solution to their problem? Totally. So there's a, there's a bunch of different, their data visualization is essentially what these tools are called. So there's a bunch of data viz 
products out there. You might have even heard of some uh, Power BI, Tableau. Those are some that are going to be a rather a little bit higher price point, um, but they do exist. Um, some other ones that I have personally used, um, there is Funnel.io. There is, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones that I know that I have used. Um, Segment is a newer one. I know it's a little bit more expensive as well. So there are a handful out there. Uh, Domo, I think, has one as well. So I would take a look at, based on what you're looking for and based on what you are um, trying to get out of Databox, again, is another one, um, is to try to figure out, okay, what do I realistically want to be spending um, when it comes to a data visualization tool? I'd also recommend, uh, even before jumping into data visualization, is to really take a step back and think about your goals and KPIs. Uh, goal and KPI planning is something that I always recommend. And now is a really good time to do so because of all this transition. So essentially what a goal and KPI session is going to do for you is to say, all right, I know my goals are X, Y, Z. It might be, um, hey, I want sales. I want people to subscribe. I want people to um, you know, sign up for careers. You know, It could be a handful of different things. As soon as you know those goals, we can associate KPIs or some of these metrics that are going to be relating to those goals. How we do that is essentially, all right, in order for someone to make a purchase on my website, for example, they need to find my website, they need to look at the pages, they need to look at the products, they need to essentially, you, you create a user journey, and you establish all of those different verbs or actions that need to happen. Once you have all those actions pulled out, you are essentially left with a list of KPIs or what we need to be looking at in order to see if our, you know, our goal is successful or not. So the reason I say we should do this now is that it's going to help us understand what metrics are important, especially in a world of GA4. New stuff is here. There's a lot of stuff to look at. It helps us kind of narrow down what's important and what's not. So once you kind of understand the data points that are important, uh, Google uh, GA4 does actually have uh, capabilities to customize some of the reports there. So you can either build out or customize your GA4 instance, or if you did want to have more of the these like data visualization tools, you know exactly what you're going to be building or what you're looking for. So it's not going to have, hey, I have needs 25 pages of all this data, but it might not be helpful or useful to you because it's just not really based on your goals. Um, so yeah, I, I would take this opportunity, and I'm going to call it an opportunity, to <laughs> yes. review what your data, make sure that you know what you're looking at, make sure that what you're looking at is important and relevant, and then be able to identify how we want to go about visualizing or looking at this data moving forward. Right. Oh, I love that way to approach it because I don't think I've ever thought about it that way, like leading with what do I want? I think I have it in the back of my mind when like I look at some of these programs, sure. but I'm kind of enamored by sometimes the robustness of a program. And I'm like, oh, this looks amazing. They have everything. And then when I get into it, I'm like, well, I don't need 80% of that. Right. Yes. I only need this part, which is great because then I go back to the KPIs and say, I want to know this, 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 and this. What is the program that's going to get us this? And when we have done that in the past, looking for our clients, especially our reports for our team, because we want our team to be able to get the data to interpret for the client's account that they're working on. What we found is that there's so many limitations sometimes when it comes to Pinterest. Like people will tell us like, oh, you got followers or sessions. Like, well, where are they coming from? Like, what are the pins actually? Because then our client can create more of that content or more of those types of images and actually be more successful instead of just this broad number. So I love, love, love that advice to write down your KPIs first, then see if a program will fit those KPIs instead of kind of the other way around. Absolutely. So good. 
Man, Allison, you crushed it. <laughs> I love I love all of this because um like I said in the beginning like I just loved our conversation because I walked away feeling like okay, it's not that bad. It's just different and we just need to reframe our mind around it and embrace this new change. And it I mean our programs change all the time and maybe that's where the frustration comes from is there's this fatigue of all social platforms changing. And now Google Analytics, this like pillar of analytics is changing. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, yeah. no, this one thing. So um, as we approach July 1st, what what would you tell people to make sure they have done before July at minimum? And then tell people how they can connect with you for you to be able to do it for them. Sure. So before July 1, get a GA4, excuse me, account like created and installed on your site. Uh, GA has updated kind of that assistance. There's like a GA4 assistant like module. Um, so if you haven't gone about doing so within your universal analytics, make sure you do that. Um, there is actually some capability that if you have certain tags installed on your site uh, with your universal analytics, you don't actually need to do anything for GA4 and it'll automatically collect all the data you need. So that's really great. So go ahead, follow that GA4 assistant tool, get GA4 installed on your site. Um, that'd be the number one thing I would have done. Then start looking at those goals and KPIs, as I mentioned. Make sure that you know what you should be looking at, look, you know what you should be tracking. But that doesn't need to be done by July 1. I just might start helping you. Um, the only last thing I would say is I, I really personally think that the hardest thing about GA4 is just this user interface, is that we're so used to the old, how it looked and how uh, Google Analytics kind of functioned, that because it's so different now, it's, it's a real shock to the system. So go in click around, mess around, see what you can do. Uh, there's different reports, different functionality in there. Um, it, it, it is scary. And I'm going to tell you it's scary just initially, but the more you're in there, the more familiar it's going to be and the easier it's going to be in the long run. So get GA4 installed, start clicking around, start being familiar with it. So then, hey, what? It's we still have a couple months for you to be able to even ask those questions and make sure that you're in a good place so then you're not you know, left high and dry come July. If you are looking for someone, yeah, if you are looking for someone to kind of just do this for you, you're like, you know what, I don't even know where to start. I don't really care to learn about this. And trust me, I get it. There's a lot of people out there that are like, I just want it to function. Um, then you can totally find me. Um, my website is digitalaid.com. So digital-ade.com. Um, I do have some GA4 packages pre-built as well. So if you're like, I don't even know what I need or how to begin, um, I've got some stuff kind of prefab on there for you. Uh, feel free to send me a, a contact form and I'd be glad uh, to get back to you and me or my team can make sure we get you up and running uh, for GA4 come July. Perfect. And just scroll down in your podcast app. We'll have a link there. You can go connect with Allison and just have her do it for you. I cannot recommend that enough. Just save yourself the five hours and just do it. <laughs> I promise it will be worth it. Um, Allison, thank you. Thank you so much for all of your wisdom and your calm and just where we're headed with this whole transition. And I am just appreciative of people like you who have brains that work completely differently than mine. And hey, we all got to do our part some way, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Of course. Thanks so much, Kate. I appreciate it. Yeah.